0: Hey
1: everyone welcome to the alabaster podcast i'm jillian stone and this show is about to give you a whole new perspective on our world from biblical cosmology and ancient religions of old to the subliminal symbolism today in pop culture created by the evil ones we are going to embark on a rabbit trail that isn't for the faint of heart so buckle up grab your bible and a cup of coffee because it all starts now Welcome back to the Alabaster Podcast. I am here with Mr. David Carico from Now You See TV and FOGCradio.com. And if you guys want to follow him on any other platform that he is on, you can listen every Friday evening to their radio show on Friday at 6 p.m. Central. And you can also look at their YouTube channel, which goes live on Tuesdays at the Underground Church with FOJC Radio as well. How are you doing tonight, Mr. David?
0: Very fine. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Well, I had a very important question. I remember hearing your testimony um, quite a little bit ago, but my listeners don't, uh, I don't think that they are familiar with Now You See TV or the Underground Church. And so I was wondering, when did you come to know the Lord?
0: Well, it was a long time ago. It was back in uh, early 1971, and uh, I was in Indiana State Prison, and uh, I gave my heart to the Lord there in the prison chapel, and uh, it's been a marvelous uh, experience ever since. And I remember there was a fellow there that came um, from one of the local churches and was giving a gospel presentation, and something he said exploded in my mind. He said, God wrote a book. And when he said God wrote a book, it exploded in my mind that the Bible was really a book that God wrote. And that has been my lifelong uh, joy ever since in pursuing and studying God's Word.
1: Wow. So with that, uh, along with your journey of of finding the Lord and everything, what Point did you wake up to the point that the mainstream Christian church was actually infiltrated by the enemy?
0: Well, it was a progressive thing. Uh, about 1981, uh, I, beg- I realized that the pre-tribulation rapture was wrong. And uh, we began to speak out on dispensationalism on um, AM radio. Back then, we had an AM radio broadcast. And it was like peeling an onion. And I found out that there was more that was wrong with dispensationalism than just when the Lord, the timing of the Lord's return. But it affected the plan of salvation. It affected uh, so many areas about our salvation and sanctification. And this put me immediately at odds with mainstream Christianity because it's predominantly dispensational. And when I began to realize that Freemasonry was wrong, you know, that pretty much put me outside the door of the mainstream church.
1: Yes. Well, that's amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to find that conclusion. And the Lord obviously led you down an amazing path because you're impacting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. And I can just really see that the Lord has His hand on you um, in all the things that you do, sir. Um, so a lot of people that follow my page, they don't seem to really understand or grasp the concept of Freemasonry. So could you give my audience a little bit of a brief description of Freemasonry and we can jump into some deep topics?
0: Well, there, Freemasonry is a topic with endless rabbit holes that go down to the deepest darkness of Illuminati conspiratorial uh, history that go down to all levels of the occult that intertwine with Freemasonry. But in the basic level of what every person and every Christian should understand about Freemasonry, we can boil it down to two points. Number one Freemasonry worships another god. Therefore, it is idolatrous. Mm-hmm. From the very first degree, every and every time a Freemason goes in and out of a lodge hall, they pray to the Gayatu, the grand architect of the universe. And the grand architect of the universe is not the god of the Bible. He is the god that promises salvation to every Freemason on the basis of their Masonic works, and this is clearly spelled out in the ritual. There is a definite, definitive plan of salvation promised to Freemasons on the basis of the Masonic works. So, number one, Freemasonry worships another god, and number two, Freemasonry preaches another gospel, and therefore there is a curse upon Freemasonry and a very, very powerful one. And there are multiple curses uh, that a, a Freemason will inflict upon himself because it is spiritually toxic, even in its most benign form. Uh, there's all kinds of levels of understanding amongst Freemasons. Some uh, that will just join to get the card punched so they can have the financial and social benefits. But idolatry is spiritually toxic even in its most benign form it's deadly you know and there's not going to be any idolaters in heaven you know this is just absolutely damning and you know and this is the place the kind of the fuzzy uh haze that the modern church lives in that well we can commit idolatry and still one day uh be right with the lord when we die well that's a huge fatal misconception
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say to people who assume that Freemasonry is just a place for lowly men to go to feel special and that it's like a wholesome, just good old friendly fraternity?
0: Well, uh, if a Freemason professes to be a Christian. Uh, and many of them do. In our area, we're here in southern Indiana and uh, on the Kentucky border, and most of the small-town lodges here, most of the fellows would profess to be a Christian. And every state has a Grand Lodge and publishes a monitor, all 50 states, and including D.C., and Puerto Rico, they all have a Grand Lodge and they publish a monitor. And I I have here in my hand, I have an Indiana monitor and I have a Kentucky monitor. And what I would do in witnessing to a Freemason, the monitor for Kentucky is, if you will, the authoritative uh, Masonic uh, Bible, if you will, for Freemasons in Kentucky. And what I would do, I would approach the Freemason and uh, I would turn, if someone is in Kentucky, and I would show them those two things, that if if a person is a Christian, and because of the deceptive nature of Freemasonry, and sad to say many times, men get involved in Freemasonry because the pastor and the elders of the church are Masons and get them involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they think, well, my church does it, my pastor does it, well, what could be wrong here? And they're gullibly Led into the lodge many times by the leadership in the church, but I would I would go like, here on in, in the Kentucky Monitor on page twenty six. It it is unequivocally promises uh, salvation and it calls it new birth of uh, the verbiage here on page twenty six in the Kentucky Monitor. It says this opening unto you and your reception within the lodge is a symbol of the disruption from the ties of the world and your introduction into the life of masonry. It is the symbol of the agonies of the first death and of the throes of a new birth. Wow. There It it goes on. uh, There's no doubt what they're saying. It says there was to be not simply a change for the future, but also an extinction of the past, For initiation is, as it were, a death to the world and a resurrection to a new life.
1: Wow.
0: I have had many Freemasons tell me that the Lodge is all the church I need. And many, many Freemasons genuinely believe that when they die, they will be saved based upon their participation in Freemasonry.
1: Wow. So... Do you think that Freemasons are placed in positions of power within the church for a purpose?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There's a um, I have a copy of the Scottish Rite Journal where the Scottish Rite Journal, it gave over a quarter of a million. The Scottish Rite gave over a quarter of a million dollars to establish the chair of separation church and state in Bailey University. Uh, There's a I know firsthand of a uh, Christian college in Nashville that got generous uh, scholarship donated from Freemasonry. And, you know, if if Freemasons. Or if Freemasonry is going to give thousands of dollars of scholarship money to Christian colleges, they are not, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. And they buy them off. And uh, th- this is literally how it rolls. They have millions of dollars, and they throw it around, and they have absolutely infiltrated the Christian church. And this is what they said they were going to do. Um, there's a book called The uh, Externalization of the Hierarchy by Allison Foster Bailey. And Miss Bailey was the, the head of uh, the Theosophical Society, and her husband, Foster, was, uh, mm-hmm. he was speaking in Masonic lodges all over the nation. And th- they just said, we're going to infiltrate the church and the mm-hmm. education system. She said it straight up, and they've done mm-hmm. it. And uh, she just flat out called Freemasonry a training school for advanced occultists. And they absolutely—they infiltrate and they use their money to infiltrate, just like any other. Uh, whether it's the the CCP or um, the uh, the the Muslims with all their oil money, they mm-hmm. buy they buy chairs in big universities and they promote their agenda. And that's exactly what Freemasonry does.
1: Wow! And do you think that? Um, 501c3s and Freemasonry go hand in hand or have some ties together within the church as well
0: well absolutely yeah and any uh the 501 c3 is a trap and many uh, well-intentioned people you know uh, we almost did it ourselves back in the 80s you know well that's what you do you know you start your ministry you get your 501c3 and back then we had a fellow Gary Cobbs that we were uh doing conferences with and he said yeah you better look at that and we did and we backed out and i'm so thankful but we never did become a 501c3 and once you take uh that you know there's that verbiage in the 501c3 language that they can uh they can come get you whenever they want to if you don't if you start saying things that you know or, or against the government. So it's absolutely a trap. And this is what Freemasonry is. Freemasonry is government control of uh, the government and the judicial system is full of Freemasonry and this is that same beast system that you buy into when you go that 501c3 route.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting too because I did my own I thinking on the side when I was thinking about 501c3 in general and you have five and one which is six we have in in gematria and you have the letter o which is the 15th letter of the alphabet which also is six in gematria and then you have c which is the third letter of the alphabet and then you have obviously three so all together that's six 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 in in gematria as well and Mm -hmm. i thought that was an absolutely insane rabbit hole and um just how I, I don't know I guess how blinded I was I mean I grew up as a as a preacher's daughter myself uh, within the Church of Christ uh, my dad planted a church in 2007 and it, uh, sadly shut down in 2013 and um, they they had to you know be a 501 c 3 at that time um, I grew up very very poor because as you know <laughs> uh, preachers don't really make a lot of money when they're doing it right you know? so yeah. um, I, I definitely think that is um, it, it's such an incredible rabbit hole to go down. Um, so on another level of not just the Christian church, does Freemasonry connect to Catholicism? And did Catholicism, what was it really like one of the biggest things that started Freemasonry?
0: Well, for years, there was a great battle between Freemasonry and Catholicism. It even erupted into bloodshed in Europe uh, during the 1800s. And uh, the Catholic Church took a very strong stand against Freemasonry back in the 1800s. And uh, there was a uh, papal encyclical that was very strong against Freemasonry. But there's a little booklet that I have it is called, and this was a, uh, something that was published in the 1800s, it's called the Alta Venditia. And this was published by the Italian Lodge of Freemasonry. And basically what it said is we are going, uh, you know, we've tried to defeat Catholicism head on. Uh, it ain't getting us anywhere. What we're going to do, we're going to infiltrate it. And it says we are going to work until we have a pope of our choosing. And I, I think that they've pretty much got there with this Jesuit pope. that yeah. there is a pope of his choosing. And now it is, there are Roman Catholic cardinals that are Freemasons, and Freemasonry is all over Catholicism. And there are still on the books some of the, um, the verbiage that a Catholic can't be a Freemason, but the way it is, it's pretty much the same within Catholicism as it is within non-Catholic churches. That If if you speak out against Freemasonry, we're going to pull your plug. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a conference, um, back in the nineties with a Methodist minister from Florida. And he was a young man, um, Oh boy, he was probably early thirties. He had two young children and he spoke out on Freemasonry on a Sunday and before the next Wednesday service they had give him his ejection papers. You know, you're out of here. And oh my uh, and I know personally um several Southern Baptist preachers and men from multiple denominations that They've lost their pulpit for speaking out against Freemasonry, and you know that's the way it is. You know they put the message out. You know if you're gonna uh, you're gonna live here, you're gonna play the game. And virtually all of the denominations are deeply infiltrated by Freemasonry. And uh, we've done many conferences in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, would do back in times past. We don't do conferences anymore, but there was a big assembly of God over there in Columbus that, uh, was a major, uh, church in their denomination. And we'd always had several people from that church come when we would speak in Columbus. And I mean, it was just absolutely soaked with Freemasons. And, um, it is, uh, that's the way it is, you know? And, uh, the, the, it's hard to put lipstick on this pig uh, when you look at the uh, just the 501c3 issue, the Freemasonry issue, the many, many issues we could talk about. Uh, the modern American religious system is apostate. It is thoroughly apostate, and it's not just that there's Freemasonry all over the uh, modern evangelical church, but the fact is it's there unopposed. It's there and people are not going to speak out against it. It's blatant idolatry. It's blatant paganism. It blatantly preaches another gospel, but nobody is going to say a thing because the beast is driving the car.
1: Absolutely. So, I remember a recent Midnight Ride where you reflected upon the Freemasons' obsession with actually the first president of the United States, George Washington. Why were they so obsessed with him, and why was he such an important vessel of the Lodge?
0: Well, George Washington is uh, a symbol of Hiram of Biff, and they're, of course, in the Capitol dome. There is the apotheosis of George Washington, which literally means the, uh, the resurrection and the deification of George Washington. And there, when you look up into the dome of the Capitol, you have Washington floating in the sky there with all the, the pagan gods of Rome and Greece. And there's the 72 stars around the outside for the 72 of the Cosmo Craters. And George Washington, you know, like the old question, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Well, who's buried in Washington's tomb uh, in the Capitol will ordain him. You know, he was uh, he's buried at his home uh, at at his uh, home there. So, you know, this is it. Uh, He has been resurrected. He was buried, but he is not there in his tomb. He's resurrected and he's floating uh, they're in the top of the Capitol being deified. And Washington being a Freemason, uh, this sets the tone for Masonic control. You know, they see themselves there in Washington, D.C. They have uh, uh, the largest phallic symbol in the world. They have... Uh, All of their stuff they have, even Washington, D.C. is laid out Mm -hmm. in the design of the pentagram. So (laughs) Washington, to them, he is the symbol of the deified Master Mason. He is the symbol of Masonic supremacy and control. They have marked their territory over our nation by his deification and the Washington Monument, which is uh, just a disgusting pagan symbol.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that um, George Washington is also partially a symbol for Osiris with the death and resurrection sort of thing?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And he's a symbol of Hiram Abiff, and the whole symbol of Hiram Abith his death, burial, and resurrection. It is explicitly stated that this is based upon the Egyptian mysteries of Osiris. Absolutely it is.
1: So I remember also in A Midnight Ride, you were talking about Nimrod and how he connects as well to the Masonic um, Lodge and how his cloak is, you know, a big symbol in in the English royal family um, and how like the... I, I the I think he's the king now, King Charles right. Mm-hmm. He, he is now the the leader of the Freemasons. and um, could you unpack that for us? I thought that in, what topic was so interesting.
0: Yeah, it, it is stated uh, in Masonic writings in Macri's history that Nimrod was the first grand master of all Freemasonry. And Nimrod, was seen as the great hunter, and he is always cloaked uh, there. Uh, you can look at Hislop's two babylons, and he is cloaked in the, in the leopard skin, and he is, he is the hunter, the hunter of souls, and this is portrayed all through the mystery religions, and this is picked up very much in uh, the culture um, in the South America with the Olmecs, the Jaguar. Uh, symbolism. And he is the hunter. He's the big cat, the big guy. And the cloak of Nimrod, uh, the cloak and the staff, you know, these are emblematic of his power. And this carries deep, deep symbolism within Freemasonry, within uh, all of the occult world. And of course, Nimrod, after the flood, he was the first one that attempted to build the Tower of Babylon to establish the new world order to go through portals um, in, into, other, into other realms, and, you know, this is what Freemasonry is all about. They are about establishing the new world order, and there's the, um, the famous uh, drawing in Manly P. Hall's Lost Keys of Freemasonry that shows uh, the unfinished pyramid, just like on, our, on the back of her dollar bill, there's the Unfinished Pyramid, and in Manly P. Hall, there's the Master Mason sitting on top the pyramid. So, you know, this is, this is full circle. And, of course, the All-Seeing Eye, this is the Eye of Osiris. Mm-hmm. And all of this ties in with the enthronement of the, the deified man, the deified Freemasonry, the deification of humanity, and ultimately in the establishment of the beast himself.
1: Yeah. It's so crazy. And so one other question that I um, wanted to ask you, there was actually, I'm not, I'm not sure if you are familiar with it. It just went viral. Um, it's, it was basically a reenactment of a mock death ritual within the Freemason um, Lodge. And I believe it was Texas. And they were basically talking about how um Basically, they would kill the Grand Master if he ever unveiled the secrets of Freemasonry. Um, And it brought me into thinking about a very particular party called the Know Nothing Party um, in the early 1700s. Um, Do you know anything about that? And if that is in some way, shape or form connected to Freemasonry?
0: I'm not familiar with that video or uh, the Know Nothing Party. I know nothing about it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is completely fine. That is completely fine. Yeah, I thought that it was really interesting. Um, but there was a, um, to go along with the um, the viral clip, just to briefly run it by you, there was a man who was tied up um, at the ve- beginning of the ritual, and it was very similar to the, uh, the Jesuit oath. And um, how they are, you know, tied up at a desk with a book and there's like something pointed at their heart. Um, I can't really say uh, what it was because I don't want to get taken down. But um, basically um, pointed at their heart and they're basically sworn into secrecy um, on, on death, basically. Um, why do they do this? And what is the purpose of that ritual?
0: Well, there are death oaths. In every degree of Freemasonry, they are horrible and horrific, and there have been many uh, murders that have been carried out uh, according to precise Masonic ritual, and it's very precise. It'll say your cut throat, your throat cut from the left to the right, your your stomach split open, your intestines pulled out. It's just really over the top, grody. And there have been many ritual occult killings that have been done according to the prescribed Masonic execution. The Jack the Ripper murders are some of the more famous examples and many, many others. And it's all about intimidation, whether it's satanic ritual abuse or whatever level of control of individuals over others. It's the threat It is the threat. If you talk, we'll kill you. Is the obvious threat in Freemasonry. Every degree you take a horrific death oath that if you reveal the secrets of Freemasonry, they're going to come kill you. And many times anymore, if if a person leaves Freemasonry, usually they're not killed physically, but they're shunned. And they'll do whatever they can to hurt your business and to ostracize you. But sometimes people are killed. Um, Captain William Morgan would be the one of the prime examples who was I'm put to death.
1: I'm reading. I'm reading his book right now. Actually, yeah, uh, exposing Freemasonry. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty insane.
0: Yeah. And I um uh, Masonry Illustrated, I believe is the name of that. Uh by like Captain William Morgan. Yes. And, I'm
1: I'm also reading his uh Masonic Secrets Revealed. I yeah. have a couple of his books that I <laughs> that I bought.
0: Yeah. And uh he paid for that book with his life.
1: Yes.
0: And they uh they took him out on Lake Erie and they put uh uh iron chains around his legs and they threw him in to see if he could swim and they absolutely uh, they killed William Morgan for revealing Freemasonry, and others have died also. So, yeah, and you know that threat's real. Uh, it's real, and like say most times today, uh, it's not like we're going to really kill you, but you know we're go- we'll we'll hurt you. We'll hurt you, your business. We'll hurt your social and economic status, and they make good on it. They take it. Uh, they take it very seriously.
1: Yeah, it's insane. So. You were talking about how Freemasonry and satanic ritual abuse are connected. I recently was going down a rabbit hole of a kind of subsect of Freemasonry called the Order of the Jesters. Are you familiar with them? I am. Mm -hmm. So I, (laughs) this kind of topic is absolutely insane to me, like the origins of clowns and it it really gives you a whole new perspective on, perspective on certain horror movies that come out and certain serial killers like John Wayne Gacy who were clowns and they were involved in satanic ritual abuse. Can you tell us about the Order of the Jesters, how they were connected to Freemasonry, and how they are also connected to satanic ritual abuse?
0: Well, it is a um, a sect that works within the shrine and uh, the shrine is basically the, the Arabic, um, obviously the Arabic expression of Freemasonry, you swear an oath to Allah uh, to join the shrine, which is a little bit more of um, blatant idolatry. And we were introduced into this firsthand in the early 90s when uh, Donna was a member of an advocacy group uh, called SLAM, the Society's League Against Molestation. And there were people, there were young kids in that group that began telling stories about very bizarre stories about being abused in satanic contexts like that. And uh, this began, and it escalated to the point where there were like 18 or 20 children that were making this claim. And all of these children, they had identical, they had like cuts uh, on their arm in the same place. And uh, Rick and Pam Doniger got involved in this and uh, it it got to be quite the deal. And uh, it it was actually front page news in Evansville for uh, several days and for several weeks, it got red hot and uh, they're actually... Uh, The book we wrote, The Egyptian Masonic Satanic Connection, this was our awareness that there was a connection between satanic ritual abuse and Freemasonry, and you can't make this stuff up, but the people that were accused of this abuse were Freemasons, and the people that were investigating them were Freemasons. So what chance do we have here? And you know, crazy things would happen. Uh, There would be a mom that would have documented evidence of physical harm to her child and when it comes to get the record well the record's gone we don't know where the record went and it you know we begin to think well boy maybe everything everybody in Evansville is just a satanist but under the structure of Freemasonry if you have the right person in the right place and they have a they have a good way of doing that. You can pull a record, you can manipulate this and manipulate that, and you can, you can do a whole lot and cover a lot of tracks. But as we began to research and we wrote our book, The Egyptian Masonic Satanic Connection, that in the occult world of uh, Aleister Crowley, of, uh, the father of Satanism, he was a Freemason, uh, Carl Kellner, uh, the, the OTO, every one of the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn actually started within a lodge hall in Queen Street in London. Uh, every leader of Freemasonry, uh, every leader in the Golden Dawn was Freemasonic. And this concept of operating a lodge within the lodge, that these groups, all they need is access to lodge property. And, you know, they can do what they want to do. And uh, it, Freemasonry is the ideal setup for evil. Uh, when, a, when a Freemason walks through the door of the lodge, they take a death oath not to reveal anything that goes on in there. And this creates, an obviously, a very dangerous atmosphere uh, for all kinds of evil to go on, and I, I guarantee it
1: does. Wow. Well, okay, so we know that you've written over 19 books on, you know, various topics, especially Freemasonry. And one of the books that um, your wife, Donna, um, very graciously sent me to look over was how do, um, how we as Christians, sorry, evangelize to Freemasons. Um, This world, as we know it, has, you know, probably changed so much more drastic than even when you wrote the book. In general, it's such... A sensitive time to evangelize there are people who you know are basically ticking time bombs and they are just ready to throw so much hatred and um, honestly violence at people who want to speak out on these topics what would be your your biggest advice on how us as Christians are you know trying to evangelize those still in the lodge and and possibly get them out
0: Well, um, our book on uh, the Guide from Ministry to Masons, it's 33 chapters, which, of course, for the 33rd, 33 degrees of Freemasonry. And in these 33 chapters, we break down the most important points uh, that would be relative to witnessing to a Freemason, um, the false gospel, the idolatry, Uh, what the shrine is and just the covering the basic bases. But this is just like I said before you, when you're witnessing to a Freemason, you don't want to talk about the Illuminati. You don't want to talk about SRA. You want to talk about if, if a Freemason is a Christian, if they are born again and have the spirit of God in them, if you can show them in their monitor and you can do it in three minutes, that Freemasonry worships another God and preaches another gospel. If the individual is a Christian, they will come out because a Christian has the Holy Spirit within them and that will forbid them for participating in idolatry. And we have seen many Freemasons repent, come out of a lodge. Many, many, many. And we have prevented many more from coming out. And that's it. You, you witness to them. You show them the truth. And you can, and it's not maybe Freemasonry worships another God and preaches another gospel. It absolutely does. It's idolatrous and damning and a real born again Christian with the fear of God, they'll repent and they'll come out. And many of them have. And, uh, and of course, as a person isn't a Christian, they'll stay in and that you've done all you can do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have so many, you know, stories of people who, I have been in contact with over the past few months. And one of the most recent ones was a family member who actually um, my, (laughs) he was my great, great grandfather and he actually was a Shriner and he actually did um, some pretty terrible things to a lot of our family members and caused quite a disruption in the family. And, I I mean, I didn't witness it personally, but it all happened before my life. But there are so many people who come to me as well with the same stories of Shriner, um, just experiences with Shriners in general. Um, there are so many who get accepted to be a Shriner um, each year. And should we be on the lookout for people like that in, in our cities and towns? <sighs>
0: Well, and you I didn't elaborate a lot on your you ask about the jesters and we have heard many, many, many bad reports in that regard. And um, when we lived in Evansville, um, we knew people that uh, worked in the big hotel down there. Some of them were Donna was a hairdresser and some of them were uh, Donna did their hair. And when they would have the big shrine festival and uh, they would fill up the hotel down there, I mean, it was crazy, you know, like uh, there would be down there and they'd be uh, swimming naked in the swimming pool, you know, and just all kinds of craziness. You know, it was well known that, you know, they would have uh, their their guards on the doors. And the pastors and everyone would be in there and they'd bring in the strippers. And, you know, it it was the standard fare and everybody knew it. You know, everyone knew it. And the uh, the. Just the downright immorality that accompanied that whole thing was just uh, absolutely outrageous and uh, we've got in our Christian workers' handbook also, we, uh, and you know the Shriners Hospital, do they do some good work? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But uh, we have in our um, Christian workers' handbook the actual audit that was done on the shrine, and it gives the percentage of the money that actually goes there. And it's one of the worst charities of all for the amount of money um uh, that actually gets to what it should go and it uh, it's from an actual documented uh, audit that was published in the orlando sentinel newspaper so you know it's just uh okay i got the figure here um uh this is from the orlando sentinel it's on uh page 99 of her book um okay. uh, uh 10 10.4 million that year from such common Shriner activities as circuses, football games, and newspaper sales, Shrine Hospitals received $2.7 of that money. Wow. Out of $10.4 $2.7 went to the hospitals. So, you know, do they give millions to charity? Yeah, they do, but they, <laughs> you know, a yeah. lot of it goes for other things. So, you know, people might want to... Um, weigh that in the balance. Um, when you think about it, I mean, that's a public started right near Orlando Sentinel. So wow. facts are facts, you know? Wow.
1: That's, that's heartbreaking to be honest. It's very, it is. it's very, yeah. very, very jarring. Um, so with that, it sparks a question as you say, it's a, it's a hospital. So the government obviously Funds Freemasonry in some way, shape, or form. Um, I'm wondering, with all of the the child trafficking and the satanic ritual abuse that goes on, are they very closely knit with child protective services as well?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is. Um, you would find no area of government that Freemasonry does not have a very very strong presence
1: Wow 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 well mr. Carico I know that we went a little bit over for your time because I know there was technical difficulties but I did want to respect your time and I really just appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak with me it is. I told my husband this is like one of the coolest interviews I probably will ever do in my whole life. I was so excited. Um, just typing up all my questions for you today and um just thanking the Lord that He allowed me the ability to contact you and your lovely wife and um get a chance to get to know her more and um, all of that. But um, is there any anything that any last statements that you want to share regarding Freemasonry? Any advice that you have for us, um, even for parents who are trying to raise their children in the way of the Lord and help them not to, you know, become a part of this lodge?
0: Well, I might just say something to the Freemasons. Um they want and yet there's a saying in the lodge once a freemason always a freemason and it's one of the devil's lies that you can't get out you can get out you can get free you can get physically free from freemasonry and you can get spiritually free from freemasonry you can repent you can renounce And any Freemason that uh, is interested in getting out of Freemasonry, just contact our ministry and we'll be very, very happy to pray with you. And uh, you just repent and renounce. And I'll say this also, um, when we really began, when we really got a clue what Freemasonry was, you know, originally I... When I joined, I was a member of the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, and when I joined the church, they said, are you a member of a secret society? I said, no. And uh, I knew there was something bad there, but I didn't really know what it was. But if you are attending a church that is giving the free reign for Freemasons to openly operate in your assembly, you are culpable. You will be held accountable For providing that uh, apostate system and indeed it is apostate. Um, So, you know, if you're supporting one of these um, type of churches, you need to get out and stop supporting it because the Lord will hold you accountable for doing so
1: wow that's so good so good well thank you so much mr david for joining me on this podcast and everybody listening i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and i hope that you also have a wonderful morning afternoon night whenever it is for you that this episode reaches you um but with that being said thank you so much again mr Carico, for joining me on the alabaster podcast and i will see all of you guys in the next one bye everybody Mm -hmm.